Welcome to Kingdom Perspective Broadcast, the teaching ministry of Dr. David Ogaga. We believe that this message is going to open up the seals and cause you to have a deeper revelation into the Word of God that will make you see beyond the letters in the Word. Here is Dr. David. Once again, Lord, we thank you for tonight. We just ask, Lord, for insight, revelation, wisdom, understanding. With the mind, Holy Spirit of God, that you take us clearly into your world as you unveil your mind to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we, we continue, and this is going to be the last section of our study on the difference between a believer and the unbeliever. This is going to be part number eight. Part number eight. And this is going to be the last section on this particular subject that we're dealing with. Uh, I'm convinced that uh, for those of us who have been following, you've been able to come to appreciate uh, part of your privileges for being a believer as compared to the man that is in the street. I'm sure if you take time to go through all over again, you'll be able to grasp quite a lot. That will help you and stabilize you as touching your conviction, your faith, and why you, you, you don't have to for anything think that you're losing out because you choose to belong to Jesus. You are not losing out in any way. Hallelujah. Okay, so, part eight, like I said, and then uh, our main text is Ephesians 4 and um, 17 to 23. So we're going to read through that, and then we'll go to Ephesians 2, verse number so Ephesians 4, 7, 9. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that the hands will walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. We dealt expressly with all of that. The vanity of the mind. The Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, but you are not walking in the vanity of your mind. Your mind is solid. Your mind is anchored on something which is very uh, precious. We're talking about the spirit of the Christ of the Lord. Okay, verse 18. Having the understanding that can be alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. All of that have been removed from you. You are not ignorant. You are not alienated. You don't have the blindness of your heart. You have a different relationship and a personal relationship. You are not alienated by any place. You are not separated from God. You are connected to God. You you connected to the spirit of the living God. You connected and you're not back home as a child in the father's house. You're not a foreigner to God. Amen? Praise the Lord. So you are morally like a citizen. In fact, you are a citizen. You are a citizen of the kingdom of God. As it were, like the commonwealth of Israel. Alright. Verse 19. And he said, Who being past feeling have given themselves over unto laxiviousness to work all uncleanness with what greediness. Alright? And then the next thing says, but he have not so learned Christ. Verse 21. If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Well, by implication, you come into the Lord. There is a teaching also that you receive. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 11, 28, I say, you come unto me. Yet I have a lady and I'll give you rest. So learn of me, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy. My body is light. Amen. So there's a place of learning from the Lord. And so, when you begin to learn by the Spirit of the Lord, you come into the place of being taught the truth. And so in that sense, you find that you can't walk in the realm of the vanity or lasciviousness or greediness. All of those things are taken away because you come back to the Lord. Amen. Alright, verse 22. And the Bible says, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the dispute lost. Alright? That is the old man talking about your Adamic life, talking about your first man before you ever you come to the Lord. So we have the first man, we have the second man, if you will. The first Adam and then the second Adam. That alright? Okay. Verse 22. And be renewed where? In the spirit of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now this is very, very important, like I said before. You see, you can become who God intended you to be by changing or renewing your mind. And don't forget it. He said renew your mind. He didn't say cast it away. Right? 
have a new orientation of the way you think about things and the way you do things. And this is going to be by the influence of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And that's why in Romans 12 he said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So whatever thing that brings you to the place of the full realization of the glory of God is a factor of your mind. I say spirit. It's a factor of your mind. I say spirit. So how your mind works depends quite a lot on who you eventually will become or will manifest. Praise the living God. So it's very important you understand what I'm saying here. In terms of being renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's so vitally important. Praise God. Hallelujah. Alright, so move on quickly again to Romans 11 verse number 4. Romans 11 verse number 4. Before I go to Ephesians 2. Romans 11 verse number 4. Oh, did I say Romans 11? I'm sorry. Romans 9. Romans 9 verse number 4. So who are the Israelites to whom pertinent the adoption and the glory and the covenant and the giving of the law and the service of God and what the promises. And I said all of these things the Israelites of old they have them. But now when you come to the Lord you begin to experience all of these things. Because we are talking about a new Israelite, a new covenant which God has made. And all of those promises that they had, how they were separated from the rest of the other nations, that is how you, the church, have been separated from the other nations right now in the world. And like I always say, we have two nations in the world, as it is, the community of the believers, that's why scripture refers to them as a holy nation, a royal priesthood, as compared to the rest of the world. Israel was a royal priesthood. You can find that in Exodus 19, when God was giving them the law, he called them a royal priesthood as well, priests and kings unto the Lord. Praise God. And so you becoming a Christian, you belong to the royal priesthood. And so a holy nation, that means there's a nation of the earth and there's another nation of the earth, if you want to use the word. The nation of the earth, which is the natural one, is different from the holy nation of God, which is right now on the face of the earth. Now you becoming a Christian means you are belonging now to the holy nation that is now on the face of the earth. Not when you go to heaven. Right now. Praise God. Are you there? Praise the living God. Amen. You know, when I was ministering in River State uh, on Sunday, a question came up, you know, Saturday. And then they were talking about the issue of the sinner and the righteous man. You understand that? You see, this is so simple, but it's difficult for us to grasp. When you were born into this world, without you having done anything, they told you you are a sinner. And you accepted that you are a sinner. And you begin to act like a sinner. Because that is now your nature. You have accepted it. You believed it. You see, whatever you call an object, that's the way the object responds. And so when Adam called animals, he called this one goat. Goat begin to behave like a goat. He called this one sheep. He begin to behave like a sheep. He called it dog. Begin to behave like a dog. You understand what I mean? Right. He named them. He gave them names. The name means their identity, their nature. So now, when you were a sinner, that was your identity. They said you are a sinner. Then you don't have any option than to be behaving and acting on what? A sinner. It's so simple. You don't need anything to behave like a sinner. Because that is your nature and you have accepted that. So because you have accepted that as an identity, you act out your identity of being a sinner. Is anybody understanding this? Now the simple equation is this. Now you come to the place of receiving the spirit of Christ and the word to you is that you are a righteous person. You are not a sinner. But now it's difficult for you to accept that. And because it's difficult for you to accept that, it's not embedded in your spirit. It has not become a revelation to you. You are acting like a sinner still. Because you are saying it is difficult to be righteous. But yet you never find it difficult to be a sinner. That's the problem. So when the word is saying you are righteous, you ought to be acting righteously because that's your nature. Is anybody following this? But that's the greatest problem that we're facing. How can you convince the believer that is righteous, a beloved of the Lord? How can you convince him? That's the problem we're facing right now. But that is what God is doing. You understand that? It's like you have two people. You have Adam here, 
you have Jesus here. Let's assume there were three, two trains moving. That's the captain of this train is Adam. The captain of this train is Jesus. Are you following what I'm saying now? Now, all the passengers in that first train, piloted by Adam, they act like Adam because he releases his nature to them. They are his product. They are his passenger. Are you listening to what I'm talking about? Good. Then the gospel comes to you and says, Hey fellow, there's another train and the captain of that train is Jesus. And you're going to say, What will it cost me to cross over? I said, There's nothing goes you to cross over. Just believe that you can be his passenger. And then you cross from this train to the next train. So what happened? Everybody that was in train of Adam is called a sinner. And anybody that's now on the train of Jesus is called what? A righteous person. That's all. You don't have anything to do about that. It was your belief that made you a sinner. It's also your belief that makes you a righteous person. That is just it. It's so simple. Did you get that? And any captain you're following out of these two, you behave like them. That's, that's what I'm trying to emphasize. You got the point? Right. You are in the captain of the boat of Adam. You are going to act like Adam. Nobody is going to tell you how to act like him because he releases his nature to you. You are his product. And so when you join up with the captain of the train of Jesus, as it were, you don't need to do anything to be like him. He is going to release his nature unto you. You are now his product. So we have these two captains on the earth. So it depends on which captain you're following. Captain Adam, you are a sinner. Captain Jesus, you are righteous. You don't have anything to do about it. Because there was nothing you did to be a sinner. You were told you are a sinner. And you accepted that you are a sinner. And you begin to act like a sinner. And so now if you are told and you believe it, that you are righteous, you begin to see the righteous attitude, righteous character, righteous nature rising from within you by the renewing of your mind. Did you get that? <laughs> That's why the Bible talks about ministry of reconciliation. Not ministry of judgment, not ministry of condemnation, ministry of what? Reconciliation. So we just tell people, hey brother, look, there is so much trouble in this train. Go join the other train. And he said, but how much will it cost me to go to that train? He said, it will cost you nothing. The man paid. Then you can come and join him. Your ticket has been paid for. You just go and board. Just go and board. Oh, come on. Is anybody understand what I'm talking about? Just go board and that's all. Alright? As long as you're that train, you're a righteous man. Because that's what the captain produces. Everybody that belongs to his train is a righteous person. You are going to do nothing about it. You just have to have that mindset, that mentality. That sure conviction by the renewing of your mind. Once I was a sinner, now I'm a righteous person. Praise God. That's all. And you begin to see yourself acting as a righteous person because that's now your new identity. It's a factor of your mind. <laughs> Glory to God. It's a factor of your mind. Once you know it, it's settled. Hallelujah. Okay. So they have all this glory, now we have all of that. Amen? So Ephesians 2 verse 12. Oh, I wish somebody can follow me tonight. Hallelujah. Ephesians 2 verse 12. And says, That at that time you were without Christ, be aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers from the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. You were without Christ. Then you were with who? You were without Christ, but you were with Adam. Are you there with me? That's all. You were not in any state of vacuum. What I mean is, you were not just living in isolation. You always belonged to somebody. There was a time you were not without, you were without Christ, but you were with Adam. Hallelujah. But now you are with Christ, not without anymore. He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Mm. Are you there with me? Good. So, no more aliens. We are now part of the true Israel of God. Hallelujah. 
and strangers from the covenant of promise. That was then, but not now. Hallelujah. There is one promise the Lord gave through Abraham, and we all have plugged into that promise. We are joined heirs with Christ. So we are now part of the covenant of the common weight of the promise that God made through Adam. And that was in Christ. In thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Hallelujah. Are we there? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can you follow it? Alright. And then I said, you are without God in the world. This is always very funny to me anytime I read it. How can somebody say well, you are without God in the world? Everybody believes that there's God. Shakiri Kolis Orisha and Yorubas, what is it? Olua. Eh? Am I right? Eh, what about you robots? <laughs> so, I mean, what about the, the Shakiris? Can I get any Shakiri person here? Orisha. Orisha Bemi. What about this? What is it? Okay. But there's Orisha there, right? Everybody has God in this world. But now the Bible is saying you are without God in the world. What's the meaning of that? It means all that you ever called God were not truly God. They were a representation of God to you. That was not the true God. Hallelujah. You know why people worship the Maldives you call um, marine spirit and all of that. Now, let me show you this. You see, you look at Nigeria. If you look at Nigeria, okay? In the south, you have rivers. In the middle bed, you have trees. In the north, you have rocks. Now, you see, you don't find people worshipping rivers in the north. They worship rocks. The middle bed, worship trees. The south, they worship rivers. Why is this so? The early fathers had the conviction God created this natural object. And to reach out to that God, you go by the natural object that's created. So that which is available to you is where you're now relating with. Therefore, the men in the south, because they have a lot of rivers everywhere, God must have a response for this river. We can reach to God through this river. So they are not watching rivers. And then you talk about marine spirit, whatever the case may be. Then you go to the middle bed. They don't have much rivers as you do. They are big trees. So they now go and worship the trees, reaching out to God. They just want to reach out to God, but they are using the object God has created to reach out to Him. Is anybody understanding this? Then you go to the north, you have a lot of rocks, light and right, all over the place. And now men have to go worship through the rock because they want to reach out to God. So their God is represented by the object that he has created. Is anybody following this? Good. So they were without God. That is why if your ministry is all about delivering marine people, when you go to the north, you have no ministry because there are no marine spirits over there. <laughs> I don't know if you are catching this. You must understand. It's Acts 17. You know, Paul made a statement when he saw the people. Erected an altar to an unknown God. How many of you remember that? Fine. That's what we're saying. They believe there's God, but they don't know how to get to that God. And Paul said, that God that you don't know is the one I've come to show you. That's what we're talking about. So you see, they were without God. Even the things they have, they are not truly God's. So, and the time was there also that you also were without the true God because the things you called God were not truly God. You were using means to get to the true God. You thought you can. So Jesus came in to represent those things you are thinking about and making you get out of those things so that through him you can get to the true God. Are you getting that? Praise the living God. And so, scripture will say, in the time of ignorance, God winked at. What was ignorance? Ignorance of worshiping idols. God winked at that. But now, he has appointed the son. That through him, you can get back to me. So it's like going and say, okay, fine. You want to get rich to me, but you are worshiping the object that I created. Then I'm bringing you myself so that I can get the relationship that you were supposed to be looking for. Everybody's looking for God. Praise the living God. Whether you do priest, whatever, they are all looking for God. They are looking for God. Amen? 
Hallelujah. Are you there? So they were without God. They have gods that are actually gods and many lots of gods. Because you see, look at Egyptians. Egyptians have ten major gods that they were worshipping. That's why I discovered all the ten miracles that Moses performed, they were targeted at each god that the Egyptians were worshipping. To demolish and disgrace them for the children of Israel. Remember they have been there for 400 years. Their conviction have come to begin to see how powerful those gods were. And so when God sent Moses down there, he had to deal with those gods to reconfigure the mind of the Israelites who were in Egypt to begin to see that there is a greater God than the one they are seeing in Egypt. That was the purpose of the miracles that Moses performed in Egypt. Just to turn the mind away. The renewing of your mind. Hallelujah. Praise God. Are you following me? Alright. So we are without God. That's to say the true God without the divine nature of God was not in those things that they were worshipping. So when you were worshipping God, you never have the divine nature of God impacted to you. And like I told you before, even righteousness of God is not impacted to you. I mean imputed is what? Impacted to you. There's a big difference between imputed righteousness and impacted righteousness. We do not have imputed righteousness. What we have was what? Impacted righteousness because he gave us his divine nature. According to first Peter, right? Yeah. Through knowledge, they begin to partake of what? The divine nature. So that, that's where your mind comes in now. Glory to God. Are you following this? So those idols were by nature and no gods. They could neither do evil or good. They're just there. Somebody's about some idols are working. Now the point is this. You create entities, come to take advantage of your belief and begin to walk. I just want you to see that tonight. That's why you see, if you take this speaker, this speaker you see here, and put it somewhere, and begin to pile libation on it, you're going to see power zooming from the speaker. Nothing is here, but you just create a God here, and you're going to see entities coming in to take advantage of your conviction, and begin to walk. And you say, the thing is working. Nothing is there. For we who have the knowledge, we know, Second Corinthians, there is nothing like an idol. We know that. But Paul said, but this knowledge is not in every man. Praise God, somebody. Are you following me? This knowledge is not in every man. That there is nothing like an idol. Absolutely, it's not like it. I gave you a story some time ago. When I was young, small boy, went to school. Was coming back. And we're just playing along the road. We have some distance to cover. Under one mango tree, we were there, you know, playing all of a sudden. We looked by the other side and we saw an altar. We have, uh, I think there was banana, banana and biscuit, and then I think Coke, and then Fanta, I think Sprite too. They were all there on the altar by the riverside. You know, these are the things now they have set up for the God, maybe marine God, whatever it is. And we became very hungry. So I spoke to my friends. I said, man, look at those things. What do you think about it? And they said, uh, what are you saying? I said, man, we can have good use of those things. I mean, they are just there. So we descended. He says, look, you know, descended down. I took the coke. I took some fingers of the banana. You understand that? Right? And then my friends came in, took their own bottles. And I mean, we ate the whole thing and drank our food. And then we went back home. And no devil came to ask us where is the fruit or where is the drink. Because idols is nothing. They couldn't come to talk to us. Why? We don't believe in them. We don't recognize them. We did what we did in our innocence of our heart. We didn't see any devil there. I don't know if you understand that. <laughs> so you create the demons that are affecting you even in your homes by your thinking. When you, when you give them the privilege, you give them the room, you give them a place in your thinking, they manifest. And because the demons are after me. <laughs> Praise God, somebody. But I'm telling you that all of those things, they are nothing. My dad was an idol worshiper. I've mentioned this to you several times. When he gets me, when he gets to hear that I'm coming, even though he was right on the shrine seven, you close up the whole place. That means the devil were after me. I mean, they were, they were afraid of me. Wonderful, isn't it? 
I grew up in the midst, but when I got to know the Lord, everything changed. Anytime they just, I'm coming from the outskirts of the city, and they say, your son is coming. Oh, they begin to pack up everything. Now, how can the devil be so afraid of me coming? That's something, what a privilege. You understand what I'm saying? God, my dad will pack up everything. They'll close off services until I leave. No shrine is coming, nothing is going to work. I didn't tell him to stop it. I will not. That's not my business. But the fact that he could pack up what he was doing because I'm around shows that he recognized that I have God that's above his God. The idol is nothing. I've gone through all of those things, friends. Hallelujah. And so, but they called us in their God, but we are saying that we're without God at a particular time. But now we are with the true God because we have a divine nature. We have his life within us. We walk in the presence of a council. Oh, come on. Jesus said something on the day of that great feast. John chapter 7. Remember that? Good. Right. Say, Mary, out of their belly, for those that believe in me, out of their belly shall flow rivers of living water. And he said, he said that because then the Holy Ghost had not been given. But now the Holy Ghost has been given. We come to the Lord's What's happening? We have all of him right on our inside. Anytime, anywhere, in your sleep, wherever you are, he is with you. And that's why I say, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. What is that supposed to mean? He is not acting like the time of old. Remember something? The Bible said the spirit comes, energy comes in. When the spirit lives, he weakens down. This is no time for coming and going. This is permanent residency. Praise God, somebody. Mm. I wish you can get this. Oh, glory to God. So that's what we're seeing there. That's what we're seeing here. They were without God, but we are not without God. We are with God, and He's always with us. He's promised to stay with us. I will never forsake you, nor leave you. Anytime you find yourself in a terrible situation, in the midst of storm, what are you supposed to do? Jesus is sleeping in the front of the boat. What do you do? Wake him up. When the disciples find that he was sleeping, what did they do? They just went to tell me, carrying like we perish, you know, you're not worried that we're going to be destroyed. Jesus woke up and said, Storm, be still. You wind, be still. That's all. If you can arouse him from within, every storm around you will calm down. It's right there on your inside. It's not outside of you. So let me read this scripture. Romans 10 verse 6. I'll just tell you what I'm trying to say here. Mm. Glory to God. Romans 10 verse number 6. Hallelujah. Oh. But righteousness... Which is of faith, speaketh on this wise. Say not in the heart, we shall ascend into heaven. That is to bring Christ down from above. Verse 7. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring Christ up again from the dead. Hallelujah. Verse number 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith, which word? Which we preach. What is the faith? The just shall live by faith. Who are the just? The justified. To whom he called, he justified. To whom he justified, he glorifies. Hallelujah. Are you getting this? Right. The word is not in the mouth. You don't think of, oh, God is in heaven. No, no, no. Oh, God is down there somewhere. You want to do something to bring him? No, he's right there on your inside. You need to speak him out. Into your situation that you find yourself. Are you there with me? So the word of faith that we're talking about is, is like saying, we know that our rhythm are leave it. We know that he's right now within us. We know that we are his tabernacle. We know. You understand what I'm trying to say? We just know this. Praise God. Okay, look at verse 9. Verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, not with my mouth, not with somebody says mouth, <laughs> glory to God. If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, and in the heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess, rather, with the mouth, the Lord Jesus, 
and shall believe in the heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. No, no, no. This is not, oh glory. This is not just a message for sinners in the street. You have to come to this understanding. The Holy Spirit has to convince you that you are righteous, that he resides within you, that you are his tabernacle, and when there is any situation, confess what you believe, then you are delivered. You are saved from that situation. So it's not something you this is not for evangelism. You, you, definitely you can use it, but what's beyond that? You understand what I'm saying? Praise God. Goes beyond that. <laughs> Much more than that. It's not about sinner being saved, making confession. I showed you here, I think John 16, from a 10, when we're talking about the Holy Spirit convict you of righteousness. Remember that? Good. The Holy Spirit will tell you, anytime, it's not the Holy Spirit, so listen to me, you are a righteous man, because you believe in Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Amen? So, you confess it. My Redeemer will it. I am the righteousness of God. He dwelleth in me. I am his tabernacle. He has promised not to forsake me or leave me alone. I am not an orphan. Christ is my Father. Jesus is my God. Holy Spirit of God. Is anybody following me? You confess it. And then you are saved from that situation. He's not talking about just the man in the street. No. You know what the Bible says? How can they call upon... He, said, if I, he puts it this way. No man calls upon the name of the Lord except by what? The Holy Spirit. So is he still not going to do that? No! Are you getting this? It is by the Holy Spirit that you say Jesus is Lord. Oh, Glory. So, situations are up, you can declare it, Jesus is Lord. We are talking about the word of faith, which we preach. The Bible says it's in the mouth. It's right there in the mouth, the word of faith, which we preach. Praise God, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. Verse 10. Verse 10. For with the heart, man believeth unto what? Righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto what? Salvation. Salvation is not just, okay, you're saved from the sin, whatever. It's more than that. The word salvation is sozo. And it speaks of every aspect of your life. Your health, your finances, whatever. Salvation is a complete realm. Hmm? Praise the Lord. <laughs> I remember reading a story some time ago. Forgetting the man's name now, but in the UK in those days. So this little girl, the guy's a professor, as it were, theology. Sound mind in the word of God. So this little girl just went to the guy and said, Excuse me, sir, are you saved? <laughs> the man looked at her and said, Saved for what? <laughs> and the guy said, Are you saved? Do you have Jesus Christ? <laughs> And the man just laughed. I said, you know what it means to be saved? Oh no. You don't understand. You see, you, when you say sozo, you're dealing with your health, you're dealing with your finances, your spirit, your soul, your body. It's a complete package. Because the man said, which salvation are you talking about? In which aspect do you mean? <laughs> and the Bible said, we confess with your mouth you come to the place of salvation. So what is that supposed to mean? It means any area of your life. Now remember, the unbeliever does not have this advantage. That you can make declaration and get the victory over what is oppressing you. Are you following what I'm saying here? So the areas that are down in your life and you seem to be struggling with it. And the Holy Spirit convinces you that a righteous man, you make declaration about the situation, you confess it, Jesus the Lord, even about this situation. And then you are saved. Deliver from that oppression, anytime, anywhere. Praise God, somebody. Hallelujah. Look at verse 11. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Praise God. 
you won't be disgraced. You won't be embarrassed. <laughs> so, I mean, situation is rough and you can believe it. I made a confession. You get out of that embarrassment. You will not be ashamed. Did you see that? Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Whosoever believeth in his heart that Jesus is Lord, even over this situation, and will confess it with your mouth, he set you free. You will not be made ashamed. Hallelujah. Twelve. For there is no difference between the Greek and the Jews. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. Rich unto all. Rich unto all. You need to take that. Is <laughs> rich unto all. Praise God somebody. Whosoever calls upon him is rich unto them. Fullness. Oh, verse 13. Who shall I call upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Shall be saved. Shall be saved. Shall be saved. Shall be saved. Anytime, anywhere. Praise the living God. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without what? A preacher. And that's why I'm preaching now. <laughs> Praise the living God. How can they call upon him whom they have not believed? And how can they believe if they have never been heard? And how can they hear except somebody is to preach? And that's what I'm telling you. You may have been a Christian, but you haven't hearing, you've never heard before how much of Jesus is available to you. It's rich towards all. You've never heard that before. You don't even know about it before. So the preacher is not just a man in the streets, not just an evangelist. No, no, no. Somebody that can Get this thing into your mind so that your mind is fully renewed. You stand strong on the face of the earth, knowing who you are, knowing that Jesus that you are supposed to be calling upon is more far away from you. Praise God, somebody. Ah, verse 13 said, You call upon you shall be saved. Saved from what? Let me use that again. Go with me to Galatians 1, verse 3. Galatians 1, 3 and 4. Hallelujah. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. And I quote you so much to you. Amen. Amen. And I take that again. Grace be to you and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This is a prayer. Mm-hmm. If you understand what I'm trying to say. This is life is what? A prayer. Mm. Grace and peace be unto you. Look at verse number 4. Verse 4. Who gave himself for our sins that he might do what? Deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and was our Father. Who gave himself because he did that therefore received grace and peace. Glory to God. <laughs> by reason of his sacrifice, by reason of the pouring out of his blood to redeem us, you now qualify for grace and what? Peace. Grace and peace be unto you from our Lord Jesus Christ and God our Father. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God of our father praise the Lord wow so you better understand what we're talking about you call upon him you are saved and the next thing that begins to follow you to come around you is what grace and peace let, 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 let me say this I was sharing this thing with them in, in, in River State. You know, when we finish services sometimes, what you call benediction, some of us will read, um, what do you call this one? Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of our life, and I will dwell in this, what is, what is that? Forever and ever. Is that not so? Do you believe what you're saying? Now, look at this one. Goodness and mercy shall follow me 
all the days of my life. That means when you are walking in the street, you are not walking alone. Two people are following you. Goodness and mercy. You going for an interview, goodness and mercy following you there. How can you not get the job? We don't know what we are saying. So anytime you are walking, you are not alone. There is goodness, Mr. Goodness and Mr. Mercy. They are the one guiding you. They are your body guide. Are you following what I'm talking about? One is on the left, one is on the left. Behind you, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. Goodness and mercy. They are always there. Anytime you open your door, nobody's behind you like a criminal. There are only two people behind you. Goodness and mercy. I don't think I'm following that. So if you enter somebody's house and you are living, you are living goodness and mercy there because they went with you. But then they are still following you out. But you have come to deposit goodness and mercy in that person's house because anytime you are walking, they are following you. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, we, when we talk about this confession, we don't know what we are confessing. We don't even believe the confession. Look at what the Bible is saying. Grace and mercy huh? be unto you. Grace, mercy, peace be unto you from our Lord Jesus Christ and our Father, our God, who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God our Father. And because of that deliverance, that is why grace and peace belongs to you. Praise God somebody. Hallelujah. So I just want you to get this. You must have to come to that place of understanding. The confession is just the acknowledgement of God have been incarnated in Christ. When you are confessing Jesus is Lord, what you are really talking about is God became a human being. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you there with me? When you are saying Jesus is Lord, what you are saying is God became a human being. Remember what we are dealing with. There were men that were without God in the world. There was a time you were without God in the world. But now you have God with you. And so when you confess it, that Jesus is Lord, you are saying the Almighty God became flesh and dwelt among us. Hmm? You see, when you look at, I know you were talking about agnostics, but when you look at the book of First John, and the Bible will tell you the answer. Any man that confesses that Jesus is coming in the flesh is the Antichrist. Have you read that? Anyone that confesses not that Jesus is coming in the flesh is the Antichrist. Yeah, they were talking about the Gnosis. The Gnosis were saying, well, Jesus can't be God because he was a human being. And anything about matter is evil. So to say God became a human being is not true. That was the argument. And that's what uh, John was writing about. Is that okay? But above and beyond that, Anyone that believes know that Jesus has come in this flesh is an antichrist. What did I say? I'm not talking about that he was born some years back. I'm saying if you can believe that it's right within you, if you can come to that conclusion that Jesus is come to incarnate your life by the Spirit, you're an antichrist. <laughs> Glory to God. I don't know if you get that. You have to get that conviction. Why did they call them Christians? Right. These ones are behaving like Christ. So Christians are Christ imitators. Why? By the spirit that's resident in your life. The works that I do shall you do and greater works. How is that going to be? Because I go to the Father. Why is the father? The father is spirit. So what happened? He goes into spirit. He comes back into your life so that he can do what he was doing while he was in the flesh. If you can't believe that Jesus has come in your flesh, incarnating your life by the spirit, you are an antichrist. 
glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. I know that is hard. <laughs> but that's the simple truth. You must come to that conclusion. You must come to that awareness. <laughs> that Jesus is incarnating your life. He said the tabernacle of God is with men. He's tabernacling with you. You carry him along. I will live in them. I will walk in them. How many of you remember that passage? Second Corinthians 6, right? Good. I will dwell in them. I will walk in them. Praise God. They shall be my people. And I will call them my sons and my daughters. I will walk. <laughs> Hallelujah. That means when you walk in the street, God is walking because you are his tabernacle. Glory to God. When you don't have that consciousness, you are standing against the will of the Father and the manifestation of his glory on the face of the earth. That's what I'm telling you. Wherever you find yourself in your office, just know that he is there with you. You are his embodiment. You are his carrier. You are his tabernacle. He resides in you. So when you say Jesus is Lord, that's what you're saying. Jesus has come to tabernacle with me. As a spirit. Hallelujah. Amen. I mean, are you getting this? Yeah, I think I would like to leave you. There is so much I would have loved to say here. You see, when you call upon the name of God, whose name is now now is what we call Jesus Christ. Because you see, now what Jesus there, when you talk about Lord, he's talking about Jehovah, which is Jehovah, our Savior. He gave the name. Is, is, is the name that people don't, is the sacred name of God, Jehovah, if I may use the word. That's what you're talking about. When you're talking about Jesus Christ, you're talking about Jehovah. The complete name entirely. You understand that? How glory. Now here the scripture says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Our Lord. Don't take the name of the Lord thy God, what? In vain. And that is a Christ. Oh, glory. That means when you take the name, what does it mean to take a name? You become one with him, you bury his identity. Don't take it in vain. You know that what? Reveal what the name stands for. <laughs> Look at the book of Genesis. We've been studying that together, two of us, since two days now or so, yesterday. You see, the Bible talks about after Adam and Eve gave back, Enos said, whatever. Men began to call upon the name of the Lord. In fact, not just call, they said, men begin to take the name of the Lord upon themselves. So, what do you see there? Now, they were rejecting their old names and coming into agreement with what God represents. So, you have, from Elohim, we now have people like Joel. The E-L is from Elohim. Are you getting that? You have Zachariah. The A-H there is part of God's name. Yahweh. Isaiah. Jeremiah. Obadiah. Ezekiel. All of the ending, they are taking either Elohim or Yahweh. They want to identify with the name of their father. They want to reject the old name or old nature. And when you take a name upon yourself to be called by another name, you are receiving the new identity of the name that you identify with. I said in the beginning. So when the Bible says, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Oh, come on. God is telling you, manifest the name you have taken. Reveal who you are by the name you have taken. Are you sitting there with me? Praise the Lord. So here we have Jehovah. Right? Who has a message from God when you call upon the name. And the name, and for the sake of Jesus Christ, you shall get your soul saved. You shall be set free. You are set free when I call upon the name. Right? You're talking about Jehovah now. You're talking about a new identity. It's not just calling upon him like, ma'am, you want to die, now you call upon him. No. 
We are talking about you receiving the name and becoming your real name, your own identity. Like I said, Joel, Ezekiel, hmm? Isaiah. You take in the name, you understand that? And you go to manifest it upon the face of the earth. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. What I'm saying is this. The man in the street do not have the ability or the privilege to take the name of the Lord upon himself. But you can because now you are a son to the Father. Glory to God. And when you come to this understanding, I tell you things will literally begin to change for you. <laughs> because you are not alone. You know what Jesus will say? I am not alone. The Father who sent me is what? Is with me. I am not alone. You have to understand that. Wherever he find himself, that's the confession that comes from his mouth. I am not alone. He was Jehovah, God in the flesh. I am not alone. He was with him. You are also with him. If you have come to receive his name upon yourself. That I say, the man in the street do not have the privilege to have. Just as you do. Praise the living God. So, I want you to come to that understanding. The big difference between the believer and the unbeliever. And like what I'm trying to make you understand. You have such a wonderful privilege. At this moment that you can take the name of God. Who glory. You can take the name of God. You know, some people will tell you it's blasphemous. Oh, no. Why is it blasphemy? Whose person's name am I supposed to bear? My children bear my name. Hallelujah. Come on, is anybody following what I'm talking about? Oh, say, no, that's blasphemy. You can't... Why is blasphemy about that? No, no, no. It's only blasphemous when you take it in vain. You understand what I mean? My children bought my name. Every one of them is carrying my name. Whose name am I supposed to carry? Huh? <laughs> I must carry the name of my father. Praise God, somebody. Come on, is anybody getting what I'm saying now? So if God is Yahweh and we have men coming like Obadiah, what should be my name? Davidiah. Praise God, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. We take the name of God. We are not ashamed to take his name. He's our father. We can only bear the name of our father. Don't take the name in vain. Did he say don't take it? Take it. But use it. Leave it out. Work it out. Be blessed by taking that name. For that name alone is our identity and the devils recognizing the name upon your life will depart from you. Come on. Is anybody following what I'm saying here? Praise the living God. Have I blessed you tonight? God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Dr. David Ogaga. We know you have been blessed by this station. You can share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information, inquiries, and free downloads, please visit www.davidogaga.org or you can send us an email admin at gkai.net. God bless you.